Yeah, it's been a young OG vibes. Think like I'm Steve Jobs. Smell the kite stone, see the world all through Steve's eyes. Dubai sand still, stuck in my van still. I let the sand spill till I can't stand still. I got no time to waste, life is fast paced. Keep the tracks running, never come in last place. How's your bitch when I come around? She's not safe. No, she be leaving with me, cause you got bad taste. She need a back brace, I need a back rub. I tell her put that face down and the ass up. And then I smash her, and then I pass her. Back to you, she won't tell you the truth, so don't ask her. Hop in the ghost and go Casper. Space cool with a rocket on me, I won't hesitate to blast you. Fuck buying cars, though, I'm buying back my masters. Cause it ain't just the cash that I'm after. Had to flash back. I got a lot up on my mind. Not enough time, so I've been up on my grind, make them bitches fall in line. Philly's finest. And we'll be one day. That's a, that's a that's a fire phrase. Philly's finest. It rolls off the tongue. Two one five to my city. And right, and Mike got it, man. He deserve it. As you, yeah, of course, absolutely, of course. Yeah, I'm gonna get there one day. That's gonna. That's a lot. We right there, man. 23, 24, 25, We right here. Did I go move back there? That probably ain't gonna hear me from a while. I got that's a lot of work to do. There's <laughs> a lot of a lot of grinding to do. You all got to rise to the top. I start my political career, low key. The the congressman um, from Philly, um, Congressman Reed, would like to take the floor. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, no, they don't want me on the Congress floor. They don't want me in them halls. I'm cause havoc. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be ridiculous. Listen, we all here for it. I'm here for all the smoke. I am I'll too. send the money for the financials. Facts. When CNN get the story wrong, I'm calling in. <laughs> We're gonna handle my label cases, <laughs> defamation. Um, but we do got a special guest here today. A nice young man, young brother that I got the pleasure of knowing over the past year. Yes, sir. He deserves all that and more. Would you mind introducing yourself, Mason? What's good, y'all? Mason Holland, UConn student. I met this met this man, Michael Reed. Uh, you know, Scholar's House, Stephen mm-hmm. Sam the same way. Corey Bingos, but you know, screaming. <laughs> That's wasting no OD. time. Wasting no That's time. OD. Corey be missing in action. The Every inaccuracy, saw, man. I had to respect it though. I had to respect it. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. You got to be better, Corey. The inaccuracy, be man. Corey, so why are you not helping the kids, man? <laughs> the inaccuracy. <laughs> you don't mean the streets, Corey? We talked about slander and libel just now. Why dude. Here we go. Young Here we go. That was the first <laughs> hey, thing Cor- that happened. Cor- Corey's canceled, yo. Facts. <laughs> but I saw Corey. Corey was leaving. Like, I was walking in. He was like, what's up, brother? And he's gone. And gone, right? <laughs> that's Corey. So, that's so, so essentially what I'm hearing is Mason was late. <laughs> That's what, that's what I'm hearing. Listen, 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 listen. I'm not judging. I, I know Mason be about his business. So if he said he was, he saw you, he was leaving. That's on you, Corey. Man, I don't know what to say. That means I was there though. Mm. Now, that means you there early. I used to come in on time, and you'd be leaving to go somewhere else. I'd be like, Damn, where are you man? going, Corey? You don't got responsibility, kids. Early is on time. On time is late. Oh, black um. proverbs. My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. I can't refute that. <laughs> But yeah, we are back, man. Episode twenty four. We bringing somebody else into the building, somebody mm-hmm. else to the kitchen table, to the dinner table, um, to have a dope conversation. So I'm excited, man. But but before we get into that, how are y'all doing? It's a lot going on right now. Yeah, Macy, want to start? Yeah, man. It's it's uh. I mean, this summer's not really you know like any other. We got COVID. We got everything going on with the with these protests and and all of that. And you know, my summer my summer really doesn't feel like a summer you know it's like an extension yeah. of the school year but no no school work we just working with the organizations at uconn outside it's a lot of work it's a stressful time i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie but i mean you know just trying to keep your head up trying to trying to stay mentally there because that's a, like that's a challenge you know mm-hmm. trying to care about so many things at one time and then stay present and that's the i think that's the real that's the real challenge behind everything is staying present mm-hmm. um 
But yeah, I can't complain. I can't complain. Allah's been good to me. How y'all brothers doing? Oh, uh, shoot. I'm all right. I was just telling somebody today. I was asking them how their summer was. They said we have a summer. I'm like, I mean, we have heat. I don't know if we have a summer, but we have heat. If we're not getting a fun summer, <laughs> we're always going to get the heat that comes. So summer's been hot. Steven um, hate the heat. I, I really do hate the heat. You know what I'm saying? And you would hate the heat, too, when you don't have AC. I tell people all the time, heat's cool when you have AC. It's fine. You can t- dabble between the heat and then come back too cool. Nah, I don't have that luxury. It's always a little warm, a little too warm. And I like to sleep with the blanket on me. It's hard to fall asleep without it. That's me. So when it's warm, it's discomfort. When discomfort, discomfort, I feel like I take three cold showers a day just to just keep my body cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm all right though. Um, work is straight. Uh, research is straight. Uh, everybody's healthy in my family. God bless. Um, yeah, it's all love out here. So I'm good. I'm good. What y'all up to, man? Mike, Corey, what's going on? Um, I'm finally navigating this full time work from home thing. So it's it's a little bit different. Um, I got a bunch of polos that I keep in rotation. Oh, Yo, you, you, you you on the polo waves? On the polo wave. Well, you're gonna get you're gonna give up in about a month. After that, everybody just wears plain tees, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, my my <laughs> team already said we don't need cameras on, so oh. it's about to be full basketball uniform, oh. <laughs> um, shorts and a t-shirt. But it's it's been dope to to navigate and make that transition, um, to to full time work to adulthood. It's not an internship anymore. It's not you know eight yeah, more sure. weeks, seven more weeks, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's for the long haul. Um, I don't know what long haul means yet, but it's for the, for the long haul yeah. mm-hmm. in terms of no end date. So I'm excited to begin that opportunity. Um, you know, thank you to my support system that made it possible, but you know, it's the, it's the summertime. I'm still trying to find ways to enjoy it. Um, whether it be, you know, taking my nephew out to, you know, play to, catch or whatever oh, to the, the park, beach, yeah, to yeah. the park, um, you know, trying to do some outdoor dining, you know, with some people to catch up, but you know, trying to make the most of, of what I can because this is this is life for right now. Work and then you know, work and play, work and pleasure. Yeah, work and play. Um, so trying to find that balance. But I'm good overall. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I've been doing better. I've been had some up and downs, mental health battles. I feel like August, like, well, first and foremost, the one the thing that pissed me off this week is I feel like every summer, like my, my car goes wrong. You got to do car work. It's like annual. annual. I did my. I went to um Rowena's own man's. Um, oh, for he real? Did my brakes. Yeah, he did my brakes for me. Yeah, I had to take it to the BMW shop. And I had to oh, yeah, you got German. Yeah, oh, you I got German. Yeah, you got I, had to, I had to get that to the shop. I thought you said the BMW shop. I, I'm saying it's not a <laughs> flex, but it's true. Of, I mean, I can't bring it to a regular. I wish I could, but I missed the regular shops. Man, with them prices. <laughs> Dude <laughs> said he missed the regular shop. <laughs> I missed the regular shop prices, I should say. Not really I know this happens when you get in a different tax bracket, yo. It's cool. I'm in a regular tax bracket. <laughs> my car is too expensive for my lifestyle, honestly, but it's okay. I look good when I pull up. So Mike, Mike looked at that bill like a, like a fee bill. He was like, "Yo, where my scholarship at, man? Thanks. Where my refund?" Yeah, a lot of, I had my breaks done too, so I got a lot of things done. But that that you know, I feel like that's just the most painful swipe, man. You just be sucking your teeth looking at that uh, report they give you. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I've been just kind of getting back into my responsibilities. Um, August comes around, grad school, you got to start restudying everything because Lord knows all that information. I got yes, some, man. especially that stuff. I got to you know, really hamper that down. One year um, left. Yes. Lord willing, God bless, because <laughs> I'm trying to be like Corey out here working, or maybe on my next degree, honestly, working on that towards that. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to calm back up and kind of find, like, you know, really come kind of grow into myself and kind of mature forward. Was like was what I like to call it. Nah, that's dope. That's dope. So I'm glad. I'm glad everybody hanging in there. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's doing well. You of course, know, of course. I think a lot of times we take that health piece for granted, but you know, right yeah. now you you certainly can't. 
Mm -hmm. Um, You cannot take that health piece for granted. So please take care of it, mental, physical, everything. That's a fact. Um, But, yeah, with that, um, you know, on to the next segment. Moving forward, we, we got cocktail hour. And again, cocktail hour is talking about some some current event, current event, current issue um, that's taking place in, in our perspective on it. So today, you know, I want to bring forth the the topic of the return to sports, right? So I know I think a, a lot of America is tired of the cornhole tournaments and you know the the spear fighting and whatever else ESPN. Yeah. Eight, the Ocho been playing the dodgeball tournaments and everything. Chess club tournament. Chess club. Um, didn't they have that slap contest really early in like April? Arm they, wrestling. I don't know what yeah. they've been. The hot dog eating joint was up there. That was fire though. But um, was he was a gladiator? Yeah, but um, <laughs> so now traditional sports, um, basketball, football, baseball are are returning, and and so I just wanted to get y'all thoughts on that. What do you, what do you feel amidst the the COVID crisis, um, the need for the these sports to return? What are you thinking, Mason? Damn, I don't know. It's like. My dad's a big, I grew up playing baseball. My dad's a big baseball fan. So like, I think there's some sports you could like, you could socially distance and be fine. But I mean, it's, there's so little oversight in like what's going to be going on, the protocols, the ins and outs. So I just my biggest fear is like, y'all start this up and then somebody get COVID and then the whole team get COVID. Yep. And then, uh, and then you got to shut everything down again. But and I mean, I know I think we all know why they started up again. You know, they like they they were all taking a big financial hit. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, and it's just like you know, I just don't want them to put money before people's lives. You know, and I don't. And there's a, I, I've seen people talk crazy about like um like Kyrie was one of the main people speaking out about the NBA resuming, and it's like, bro, like you don't have to bear like you know the the burden of going to going to play ball in Orlando, which is already a hot spot as it is, and then coming back. To your daughter, your girlfriend, your family, and then and then passing that on. Like that's a real fear. And going back to what you're talking about, like physical health, mm-hmm. I mean, that's never been such a pertinent conversation, you know? Like you don't know what people have. You don't yeah. know where they've been, even more so now. You know, people out here with no masks, like it's crazy, but I'm I'm just I'm trying to see LeBron get that fourth title. That's I'm all screaming. I mean. they're, they're, I was waiting for that last part. They're, they're, that's where it was right there. Every though. every title got an asterisk next to it, in my opinion, this year. <laughs> How, how though? How? You're going to have to run that back. Huh? So, people over here picking up people for rosters because they can't even make, make the, the n- minimum number of people to play. So Deion Weirdest can get a ring now? <laughs> Deion and J.R. Smith. Yeah. I, I'll say, I'll say this, Mason. The ring better be smaller. I'm going to speak to the point about the sports in, <laughs> in a second. But I think it, it carries an asterisk because I think there is a greater level of, I want to say respect necessary, but struggle and challenge when you go through the entire NBA season and have the playoffs fall afterwards. This kind of three-month yeah. hiatus break is almost like when NBA goes on summer break before, like, training camps. Like, people who are injured can come back. Like, people who are out for the season, who thought they were going to be out for the season, now can come back and play for the season. People who were stressing on their knees and their ankles, they're well-rested, you know what I'm saying? And that's good. I guess you get everybody at their best. But but some teams aren't at their full capacity, right? Yeah. Because certain players have said they're not coming to Orlando to play, and I think mm-hmm. that's my big thing. Like, if you're not playing the team's best version, mm-hmm. or at least best version, you know, given the circumstances, right? Yeah. And then, of course, like, the idea, that's- like, what happened? I just feel like that's not every team. I think, I mean, I was a Nets fan growing up. They did what they did, but I mean, they don't have, they're not at full capacity. But I mean, the Lakers, and when you add the like the little pieces, like those are just like the set, like J.R. Smith coming off the bench, gonna be hot. Deion Waiters coming in on Clutch. This man's excited, yo. 
Bro, I'm so you have no idea. Up they, they about to update the 2K roster. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was waiting for right there. It's always the 2K rosters. Oh yeah, I'm about to. So I'll say this for sports. I that that's the thing though because sports took so long to come back. I don't think I really care about this season particularly so much because I know even like I feel like there's gonna be noise carry with it. Like people said, like people are gonna think like let's say LeBron wins, right? Uh, you know he had a break this that and the third. He doesn't win. Damn, he had a whole break for three months. Like that's gonna come regardless at a heightened level than it would have been any regular season. And so I feel like. And I feel like anybody who wins is going to get discredited. If Giannis wins, he's going to get discredited. If somebody else wins, it's all like, oh, he won during the COVID year. You know what I'm saying? And so, I don't know. I feel like because sport is mean, we're going to be in August. So, we lost the NBA season for four months. We lost the NCAA tournament. Like, all that excitement that usually comes in that part of the season, I kind of lost it. So, I kind of – I'm not really like – I'll probably watch just because there's nothing else I watch on a daily basis. But I'm not as excited as I would be. But the yeah. flip side to that, I think, with sports coming back, and I talked about this um, at least on IG when I did my post, that there's it just kind of serves like an extra level of quote-unquote distraction, right? It kind of gives sports media and sports social media accounts the opportunity to flood the TL with sports highlights and sports commentary as opposed to what they were doing about social activism. And I think yeah. if you allow that to strengthen and, like, flood the TL, then the message kind of gets diluted. I think the NBA itself, though, I think the NBA more than any other uh, big league organization does a good job. Like, I've seen what they've been doing with the Breonna Taylor case, um, with them yeah. not answering questions, them demanding justice, all, all that other stuff. So I think, you know, they have the right mindset of kind of keeping the message with the sports. But I know I can't expect that from NFL, right? I, like, the Washington football team, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> and then MLB, I don't know what to really expect from them because they're kind of like in the middle. And they don't have nearly the amount of African-Americans in the league as the NFL or the NBA. So they kind of feel like they can kind of sit in the middle and chill because there's mostly white and Spanish people. Um, so They put blue on the pitch amount, though. That was tough. They put what? That. They put, like, if you look at, like, the field, they put Black Lives Matter on, like, the edge of the pitch amount. Mm -hmm. I mean, you okay. do have a couple black players. I'm I mean, you know, there definitely is. There definitely is. Like, I think it's just like it's only like 10 percent or something. It's kind of small. And I don't yeah, know if they always count the Dominican players. So, yeah, if, I mean, I think I think I think if you count if you count Afro Latin X, it's probably a little bit higher. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, but, but I think I think the cocktail hour question probably should have been the the statements that are trying to be made in, in the sports. Right. With mm -hmm. the Black Lives Matter on the mound. And, you know, some people had debated. Um, the black national anthem being sung um, at Negro the NFL. Anthem. Yeah. And, you know, Black Lives Matter on the back of, I think, WNBA jerseys or NBA jerseys. I think it was WNBA. Like, they each mm -hmm. have a name of yeah. somebody who died from, like, um, police brutality or assault. And one of them. So, I think that probably should have been a question. But, again, I don't want to delve into it now because we already, you know, you know we, we, yeah, we, we we're trying to move. Topic. But um, I think, you know, I offline we definitely need to talk about that because I'm interested to hear y'all perspectives um, on that because it's interesting, you know, what people think that can do. Um New episode topic. New episode topic. Um, before we get to the topic, real quick, I just want to say, um, we're not doing a recipe of the week this week. Nobody was cooking this week. It was real hot. I wasn't was turning hot. on no stove. Um, but y'all saw, saw me here eating ramen. <laughs> so. But what we want to do, yeah, we all came in here with takeout. Um, <laughs> no, we really did. <laughs> um, but what we want to do is we want to encourage some um, audience participation. We want to know what y'all cooking, what y'all here chefing up. Um, so when you, you know, make your little videos on your story over the stove, you know, you know, the zoom in a little boomerang over the stove or what y'all cooking. 
um, tag at AD Convos on nice. Instagram. We want to see it. We want to, you know, know what y'all was cooking, the recipe, so we can post it, feature you. Um, we love to hear what y'all cooking. Um, so we might want to try it out, you know, for one of our, our dinner sessions before the pod. So, again, at AD Convos, let us know what you're cooking. Let us know what you're chefing up. Um, but, nice. Mike, what are, we, what are we talking about today? Yeah, what are we talking about today? So I wanted to bring in, with our special guest, Mason, you know, me, I, I, I met Mason in August of 2019, my God. And, oh, um, you're flying. It's been a year I know. Gee, it's crazy. Um, yeah. And we had the pleasure of, he's in the Scouts House Learning Community, and I worked for the Scouts House Learning Community, so I, I had the, the, uh, the fortunate to be able to, uh, you know, mentor him and see his growth, and he accomplished a lot of fantastic and great things. He's also a very, like, um... I was about to say active activist. That's stupid. But he's an activist too active as well. Activist. Yeah, he's active, you know. That sounds like a double entendre. <laughs> um, but he does a lot of work for his community, and he, he advocates a lot for on behalf of the underrepresented too as well. So I wanted to kind of have a conversation because I think we're kind of like six, seven years older than him, kind of a little bit younger, uh, intergenerational. Don't, don't, make, you know? don't make me feel like that. Yeah. Come, yeah. On, yeah. come on, bro. <laughs> Next year, we're closer to 30, then we're closer to 20. Slow down, slow no, 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 no. I'm in the, right in the middle. What are you, what's Mike talking about? We're mid 20s. I know, mid 20s forever. Uh, I'm, anyway, we're not going to talk about our awareness of our age. More so that we're trying to have a younger intergenerational conversation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Our discussion about, you know, how do we, you know, we talked about all the problems going on today, but mm-hmm. I want to talk about really, like, how can we move forward? Like, you yeah. know, what is this world? Um, it's, hard to pre- it's hard to predict the world after COVID. But we can try to. Yeah. We can try to plan for it. We can try to, like, see, especially with all this civil rights movement going on right now. Like, you know, how can we really build that up? Like, what does it realistically look like? A lot of people are calling for a lot of different things in a lot of different industries, a lot of different fields, mm-hmm. whether it's defunding the police, you know, whether it's, you know, reforming reproductive justice, whether yes. it's, you know, it's a whole spectrum of issues going on at the same time. So I want to talk about, you know, how do you – my first question, I guess, to everyone really is, like, how do you envision, like, the world after this movement and the pandemic, too, at the same time? Because I feel like this, like, what's going on this year is kind of scrubbing the life we knew from the past, like, 20 years. <laughs> like, you know, we're not going back to that society that we love. I think Thanks. I think one of the things that we had, um, I had a conversation about the other day with somebody, um, is that, you know, with the movement going on, I think the thing that gets left out of the discussion is the idea that compromise is going to have to happen. And which is kind of like the scary thing, because people don't. You don't want to compromise when you know what you're putting forth is 100% true, right? If you know, you know, justice is being obstructed, if you know police brutality is happening, if you know um, reproductive rights are being taken, you want you know exactly wh- what you believe in your heart to be what is true and what needs to be done to change that. And I think, you know, we're, we're getting close to a point where you have to hit the reality like somebody is going to draft some type of bill that fixes these problems and people are going to say, hey, I'm not pushing this through unless, you know, you add this, take this out. You can't necessarily say this, this, that. And I think the hardest part for our generation is to say, oh, we'll compromise on that. Because you never really want to compromise on the situationship of humans, right? Like, for example, like, and we can dive into multiple different issues we want to, but let's say defund the police, for example, right? You know, people are asking for people to defund the police 100%, right? Take them out of here, defund them, destructuralize and stuff like that. And it's like, let's slow down for a second, right? I don't think we, unfortunately, realistically get to defund the police 100%. Let's say we get 30%, right? Or we get incremental defunding, and then we start pushing the money that way. But that way, and then we can actually look for things to replace that money with, but it's being able to conceptualize that, hey, you made one hundred percent, they might only be giving might be able to only give you fifteen. And are you gonna compromise to get your fifteen twenty or are you gonna sit there with your hands crossed and say, nah, it's a hundred or bust? Because regardless, especially as 
I'm talking for a minute, but regardless us being a minority, our power is only so much that if we try to exude all of it at once, we might not have any of it at all. And we got to pull and tug where we need to, cut the edges, cut the corners. Maybe when they're not looking, pull the rug from under them real quick and get it going. But that's my idea of it, at least. Yeah, I I feel what you're saying. I think think the problem is, you know... um, and, I, and I've, you know, a lot of people talk about MLK, a lot of people talking about these different civil rights leaders mm-hmm. and my passion. Since I don't think people are really understanding what they did that made them successful. Like MLK didn't come to the White House and he was like, all right, bet. So we want voting. We want, we want, an equ- we want equity. We want to try to get rid of red on it. Like there's certain things that can't be accomplished. First of all, in one setting, and then even broader, just in a, in a, in a bureaucratic manner. Yes. And a lot of what we talk about that's, that's an issue is attributed to the culture in America. Like, um, I don't know if y'all saw um, uh, in Congress, there was a representative, Ted Yoho, who yeah, called, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he called Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez the viewer, and I was just like, damn. You can cuss on a podcast. We got the explicit E. So, it's, it's, yeah, you yeah, can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he called her a bitch. Like, that was crazy. <laughs> go, fine. I was like, damn. And it's, and it's just... To, to not even make fun of it, but just to like look at it as for what it is. We, we live in a country where that's acceptable, you know, like mm-hmm. where you go up to a woman of color and say that with no repercussions. And then when people clearly heard you continue to lie about it. So, um, you know, if we if we push for everything that we want right now, you know, it may not come. And even greater than that, it may hurt the cause. Like we have to be incremental and really, mm-hmm. really firm in certain points. But then understand that we're going to have to reach a crossroads. Like it's not just gonna go down a straight path, and that's that's one of the that's one of the gripes I have with these movements that are going on. Nah, I agree. I mean, I'm we all we all on the same train right now. <laughs> honestly, um, that's something I noticed. That's just like I want to agree to what to echo what y'all were saying, um, because I agree. Because sometimes I get slightly like s- very smallly like frustrated with some movements because like I, I get know really I know we want change, but yeah. it's realistically yeah. not going to happen overnight. It's not gonna mm-hmm. never, no one's ever gonna wake up and be like, no, just throw the whole police department. Well besides like Camden, New Jersey or, or Newark <laughs> or whichever city Camden, New Jersey. Camden. It's Camden yeah. Whichever city yeah, New Jersey. You yeah, to speak to that, not to cut you off, but Camden is like like people bringing up Camden, like Camden was a success story as soon as it happened. And I don't think what people realize is that you know, when when they when they had what happened with Camden, they were like, okay, we're going to remove police. We're going to do all this. They implemented a really, like, a more invasive network where they'd have microphones set up in the neighborhood. They put, they put cameras. They'd have police on standby outside of the city because just because you don't have police directly in the city doesn't, doesn't yeah, mean... Yeah, there's neighboring contracts that cities have with each other. Like, Manchester police could pull up to yeah. East for any time. Absolutely. Mm. Yo, like, any time, any time. And, and that's the crazy thing about it. And I think that one of the gripes that I have with it um, is, you know, what's the solution? Because we could critique the system all we want. Anybody could critique the system. But when you're actually putting forth a solution, how is that going to solve all the things that you're trying to take out? So, and I don't know necessarily how to do that. We could all point to the problems, but when we actually have to reach an answer, where do we come to, you know? Yeah, well, a lot of my thoughts are being said right now. I completely agree. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I, I do. And, and <laughs> very like-minded because I, I, that's, like, again, my other problem with some people because like, it's one thing to point something out and say it's wrong, but if you're not offering an alternative, you're just, like, you know, arguing with people for nothing, honestly, in theory. Um, you can We can bring awareness to things, but, like, what's next? Like, what I think what we're all talking about, like, you know, what's that? Mm-hmm. What does it look like? Defunding police, yes, we can do that. But what what is this, like, you know, what kind of service are we going to kind of create after that? 
type of thing. And thank you for bringing up the more details about the New Jersey situation. Like, I was just speaking of it as like that's you know, the first example just, people exactly. use. Yeah, and I just that's the only thing I can think of in this whole country, honestly. And <laughs> like as far as like you know, every moving money away from police into something else. Mm-hmm. But if we're gonna have you know increased the surveillance state and 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 you know low income minority neighborhoods, that's not worth it then. <laughs> you know, yeah. or is it worth it? It's probably not. You know, like. We're choosing to we're choosing between two evil things, and like you know, and people who are living in those communities just want to live, you know, and want to go to work and not want to be bothered too at the same time. Um, right. And like you know, to go back to the original question when I asked, like you know, how do we envision the next next steps? Like you know, what does it look like? Um, for me, I think that it's more about kind of a way that we can all live together. And that is gonna something that has to be very important. Um, not this is not no. We need to teach the press or something. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like there's gonna be has to be a world where like if we're talking about equal opportunity, like the realistic American dream type of world, like somehow we have to have a society that fits all of us. Yes. And that fits all of our needs. And for us to have that equal, it, we're not gonna have an equal society unless we close the gaps that we have right now. You know, there's racial disparities in every institution in, in society, health, education. Housing, you name it, you know, you can find disparity based on race as a moderator. And so okay. if we're going to like, I think there's a lot of different battles and a lot of different fronts that need to happen before we can even like, so we can collectively make progress too at the same time. That's right. Yeah. Um, I just want, I literally just wanted to get up here and say, yeah, but um, <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with, with, a, with a lot of what's being said. I, I think, you know, the, the ideal for me I think the original question related to post-corona lifestyle mm-hmm. or whatever, um, and I and I say I've say, said this many times on the podcast that we tend to have short attention spans when it comes to to movements and when it Very. comes to you know changing culture and changing society, and so my my thing is really to make sure that you know the impact that this movement is having right now, the discussions that we're having right now continue to persist well past, you know, a vaccine, well past us returning to quote unquote normalcy, right? That these conversations continue to happen. Because again, I think the the goal of the media oftentimes is to to change the narrative as they see fit. To to change what's being posted on social media, to change what CNN is posting. And when when that happens, because of the persistence of these images, people tend to back off. Okay, I'm not really thinking about Breonna Taylor right now. I'm not really thinking about George Floyd anymore because the narrative that's being sort of spoon fed to me on 24 hour cable news networks isn't the story anymore. And so I think, you know, I want that persistence to continue. I want the work to continue, you know, backstage behind closed curtains. Right. The work that that Mike and, and Mason and Stephen do with, with Scholars House to to improve graduation rates, the work that people are doing in diversity initiatives to ensure that you know Black and Brown people are are getting access to to gainful employment and are being retained at these corporations, right? That's that's the work because I think oftentimes like we always look to leadership, and I think we need leadership. I think leadership is important. But I think oftentimes we we discount those people that that funded movements, right? We discount those people that were that were just working. We discounted those people that got somebody else jobs when they got laid off, or you know the person that owned the local grocery store that didn't care about your criminal record mm-hmm. because everybody got locked up when when those marches got got raided or whatever. So I, I think we discount those people oftentimes. So and I want I want their name exactly. You know I want the work to continue, um, but I want the conversations to continue. And, and, and for that, you know, that has to mean that regardless of what social media says, regardless of what CNN, CNN, MSNBC says, these conversations happen at some local church, some local community center, you know, some local town hall five years from now, 10 years from now, you know, 
20 years from now until we feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone making very, very, very good points. Um, so I do have like two more questions to ask. I, I want to stop or two or three. Yeah. Um, but the next one, uh, something that something I see a lot, especially among like young black people, is kind of like the question of voting and the value of voting too. Mm-hmm. I think it comes up a lot yeah, in the yeah. last every few weeks. It comes up again because mm-hmm. it's like it's more of like a random a personal experience. It's more like a random like you know I wouldn't if I ask random black people of various ages like you know how they feel about it they will give me very different answers yeah. <laughs> like you know um, yeah. someone our age can easily say that they don't believe in voting just as someone who was like sixty who who says that they do mm-hmm. believe in voting um, black or not um, and so I, I just want a question like you know do the voting have a place in this next world you know how do you kind of envision how, or how can we even if you do believe voting is important and that is a, a value to kind of build in the next stage of, um, you know, a social democracy in this country, um, how can we motivate or inspire more people to vote to at the same time? Yeah, I think that's a that's a weight, that's a heavy question. Mm-hmm. I think it's a heavy topic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we need to see progress before people can start believing. And I'm one of mm-hmm. those people that, first of all, I never like him when black people tell me like, y'all don't vote. You know, they don't do this down the third because, you know, we've had grandfathers and, and great aunts and great uncles that walked with Dr. King and and went to the ballot box and they got chased off. Right. They they defended their right to vote with their life because mm-hmm. we live in a democracy. And we I think so many of us take for granted that, you know, yes, we you know, our country has all these flaws. And yes, they've abused our human rights multiple times, but you know, what's in the constitution and what's in the law is what's there. And what's there is that we have the freedom to have our voice heard. And once that opportunity arises, you have to utilize it. And I also think that when you talk about voting, it's framed in, you know, it's only framed in a, a magnanimous sense, meaning people only talk about it when it applies to the presidential election. When, yeah. You know, there's voting going on every year within your district, within your county, within your city, within your state. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that actually impact you more, you know? And I hear people talking about all these different things. Like, Mike, you brought up education, um, education specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when people, you know, you know, see what happens within their educational district, you know, are they looking at what they're voting on? Because you could go to board of education meetings. You could go to city council meetings. Are you there to see what's being drafted up, the agendas, the budgets? If not, then then why are you even talking about it? It's not just going to the ballot to cast a vote. It's also holding those people accountable. These politicians are running rampant because historically they haven't really been held accountable. And that attributes to our system, but it also attributes to us. Like how many how many young brothers and sisters are going to those meetings and going to cast their vote every time they have an opportunity? And I think that, you know, to be a democracy, voting is is crucial, but we have to learn how to how to do it and why it matters and, and and more specifically you know what the power of it is especially when it's us in numbers it's it's funny because um you brought up like great aunts and grand um, grandfathers and grandmothers and all those individuals voting in the past i'll often ask myself and i don't really ask people as much as i should because it's not necessarily to make a point it's just to invoke thought like how much how much better do you think the candidates our grandparents were voting for than the ones that are now I mean, or do you think they're they're much worse? I mean, considering that the policies and the influences and the and the things that didn't exist in the past, you know, those people can run rampant and say whatever they want on the stage, right? Now, granted, maybe because it's you know more quiet and subtle, whether it be the racial um, bigotry that exists or outward, like Donald Trump. I don't know if I can say that the the um, the candidates from either party that existed in the mid 1900s 
are worse or better. Maybe I can't say I definitely can't say they're better than the ones now. You know what I'm saying? You know, history shines a, a nice light on those individuals. You know, they highlight their success with writing the Voting Acts and the Civil Rights yes. Act and all those other stuff. But if you ask people who lived during those times, you know, it wasn't like it was sweet or anything like that. So people applaud the individuals that they have um, vote, fought for those rights and got to vote and then criticize the people that we have now. And it was like they was fighting for the same thing. And the circumstances asked other individuals may or may or not have changed. The candidates may or may have not gotten better or worse. I don't know if there's enough justification to say I don't like the candidates, so I'm not voting. I don't think – the black folks who were voting in the past really like any of the candidates either. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's keep it a bug. I don't think they, they sat there and said, I'm excited to vote because I want to vote for this candidate. They wanted to be part of the, the democratic um, process. You know what I'm saying? And then hopefully when that transition, find somebody who they like to vote for. But So I don't, I don't really, t- at least for black folks, I don't really take the validity. I somewhat understand the, the transgression because sometimes I feel like people only see voting as a means to justify that they're part of the process without doing other things to invoke change, right? So if they yes. voted for a national election, they say, okay, um, I voted. You know, I did my part of the Democratic process or the Republican process or whatever, and here is my change. And I think it needs to be more than that. But it's finding the ability to invoke the, I guess, energy to create change. I, I don't think you can vote and then just go back to your life. I think you have to vote and consciously help try to work what you're voting for and on a bigger scope I'm, I'm rambling right now but on a bigger scope i think we have I mean, this happens in big cities more so they have in rural areas for obvious reasons but we need to dedicate individuals to be those political leaders in our community or people who have those aspirations because we're not all going to be lawmakers and politicians and stuff like that we don't got time to read all these laws and all these other things going on for, for trying to be experts in our, in our career I'm trying to yeah. get into computer science. I know people get into business. I don't got time to put 100% in computer science and go put 100% in understanding the, how the government works. Unfortunately, it just won't work out that way. So we need to foster and grow people who we believe can take our best interests and carry them with them from a congressional standpoint. I think that's more important than voting, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, to, to echo uh, what some people have been saying, I think voting is important. Right. I think ideal idealistically, you know, people will be involved beyond the ballot box. Mm -hmm. I think practically, sometimes it becomes challenging to be at school board meetings that take place at 430 when you don't get out of work till till seven. seven. Right. (laughs) You know, I think I think, you know, idealistically, you want to be in the town hall meeting that's at 1030 on Tuesday morning. When, you know, you just got off work working at 11 to seven. You try and get some sleep. Right. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, these things work. In, in an ideal nature, but oftentimes the people that are at the town hall meeting is 65 and retired, right? Yeah. But, you know, right. unfortunately... Make a decision for the youngs. Unfortunately, black and brown folk don't get to retire at 65, right? No. So, like, you know, these these are realities that exist in our community. And, you know, I think Stephen made a, a really good point, encouraging people to, to challenge the system. I think, you know, I was talking to somebody else. I think one of the things that that frustrates me about politics is the concept of a career politician, mm-hmm. right? Somebody that this was their goal. And I'm not saying anything is wrong with wanting to pursue politics at a young age and existing throughout that time. But I feel like a lot of people can become complacent. You know, once they get elected, they know they got their seat, right? I don't really need to do the, the same work. I don't need to be in the community the same way yeah. I was. 
before, and I and I think that frustrates me. So I definitely encourage. You know, I'm not one for respectability politics. If somebody want to run for for councilman and, and don't wear suits and just wear polos and t-shirts, right? I'm gonna give you a chance. Yeah. If if I like what you're saying, I don't need you to wear a suit. I don't care if you say y'all, right? I don't care if you if you use <laughs> you like got a little lingo into it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm I'm gonna give you a chance if, if I like what you're saying, and and I think the same thing exists in many shapes or forms with that respectability politics, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we need people to wear suits. We need you to have a Clean low cut, cut, right? I don't the care. I don't care if you got twisting your hair. If I, if you like, if I like what you're saying, I'm a, I'm gonna give you a chance. And I and I think yep. we need to exist mm-hmm. on on no on those boundaries because I think that will encourage a lot more people to take a chance and say I'm I'm just gonna run, right? I'm gonna give it a chance. And I and I think back to I think it was a Chris Rock movie, the head of state movie. Oh, okay. Um, where, you know, I, he was like a city councilman and they came to elect him for president or whatever the case is, but you know, he was doing it his way. And I think a lot of times we fail to do that because there's sort of this cookie cutter politician mm-hmm. that we want to have. And, and I think that that hurts us more so as black and brown people because cookie cutter is not what we are. Yeah. There's no cookie cutter American dream in, in our communities. And so to have a cookie cutter cookie cutter politician um, isn't really serving us in, in our best interest. So I think, you know, idealistically, we, we could do a lot of things politically, but practically we, we got a, a story that's a little bit different than, than the average story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just, in, just to input a few of my thoughts, um, I think one thing that troubles me a lot is like this. I tell, uh, so my roommate was a little pessimistic, and Stephen, you little pessimistic sometimes about I'm very um, pessimistic. You know, the re-election of our current, <laughs> of our current impeached president, I'm very um, and how that will go. And I was like, you know, I, I see what y'all mean. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I can I can understand 100. Um, percent And but I feel like one thing that you know something that gave me some optimism is that there have been a lot of, especially in like the midterm of 2018, such a rise in like progressive politics. Mm-hmm. Like I think right now, more than any time in American history, has progressive politics had the chance even the chance to like really like grab like I mean a lot of like a lot more seats or a majority of seats. Um and with the and, dev- and talking about for the um about say for the federal government, yeah. For I federal, mean, it might it might be local the, too. The branch. Um, I just forgot the name of the branch just Oh, for Congress? Yeah, Congress like Yeah, legislative branch. branch. Legislative. Yeah. I, the mm-hmm. word was on my tongue for a minute. I was about to say executive I'm like that's presidential. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But <laughs> progressive president, I don't know if we're gonna see that uh, anytime soon, but um, definitely, right. guess, guess we get more in Congress. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but um, but either way, I think something that bothers me now. I can think a lot. It woke up, <laughs> this election cycle woke a lot of people up because there be a lot of people assume like left, like Democratic left in America meant like far left. Um, even as don't watch right wing media because anything that's not conservatism is far left politics or radical politics. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, like people see that as more of a moderate. It's really like one. I, I won't say like one party, but like that moderate, like centrist um, position that. Um, Democrats do take is kind of what bothers a lot of people. Well, it's younger people my age because it's very like you know we it's neutral. It's yeah, neutral. and also yeah, they talk about complacent um, and and like they just ease into everything. Yeah, Amy but, Klobuchar is of the world. I just remembered her name. Oh, you name them who uh, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, Kamala. Who was my who, who am I forgetting? Cory Booker. Who was my Cory Booker? Yeah. <laughs> He's not taking no Cory Booker slander. That's a Jersey legend. <laughs> is he a Jersey what? legend? He's a Jersey he legend. Yeah, he's from Newark. He, he's a, I know yeah, he's, he's from he's Newark, but is he a legend? Yeah, 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's kind of like. But we, but what we're saying, I think a lot, of, and for the people who believe that as well, is like the antithesis to what the country is currently is. 
Um, I think the country is very much hand, like not handicapped, um, kidnapped by oligarchs, and our politicians have been those as well. And that's why there's been so many deregulations in a lot of industries, um, and to the detriment, to detriment not only of the country but to the environment, to our civil rights, to anything that's not really capitalist profit. <laughs> honestly, like you know, and so when it comes to like voting. I think that what's what bothers me through all of, the, especially this year in particular, 2020, when so much has gone on. But what bothers me so much is that there seemingly is such a lack of political will for all these issues that not just young or progressives care about, but most majority of Americans agree upon. Mm-hmm. And that's like Medicare for all, you know, like something like simple as like healthcare, like healthcare for every individual. Seems crazy, but we're the richest country of all time, currently at its peak of our wealth, too, at the same I still time. Don't, I don't know what that means to anybody. What, the being the being richest, richest country of all time. But, but, but I think we also cure the most is debt. It, isn't it like, go, does it not go hand in hand? It's like, what, I mean, what, not, what's the net profit of our country? That's the real question. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, none, I mean, and, and yeah, it's me, none of it really matters at all. I, mean, I think they just make it up as they go along. Um, but, I mean, the net. <laughs> like you said, like the debt doesn't really matter. Who cares? Like if the United States has a massive debt of it. What is it? What are they doing? They still they print money every day. I mean, I think yeah. I think I think that's always the concern from from an economic standpoint is what will inflation look like, right? What will what will these prices look like? Because I mean, I think the thing yeah. about it is we say you know it's not going to matter. Everybody's going to have health care, but if you have health care and milk costs you ten dollars, right? You know, yeah. it, like what what's the cutoff? If milk costs you ten dollars, but your wage doesn't go up hourly. You know what's yeah. what's what's going to happen. So I think you're saying like the movement of the cost of one thing to set exactly. to another thing. Exactly. So, so I mean, so in this case, yeah. it'll be what healthcare to like groceries. So say so say you know we continue doing uh, stimulus packages. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with stimulus package. I think everybody needs it, given know. given the unemployment related to COVID nineteen and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But say we were in a in a normal economy and we just said we just going to print more money because people need you know to buy more things or whatever the case is. We're just going to stimulate the economy for whatever reason. Inflation typically happens if you print more money and people are trying to to buy more things mm-hmm. um, because the the demand goes up and the supply goes down. And so if some people don't benefit from the stimulus package and milk costs eleven dollars instead of four four dollars a gallon, but before the inflation, you mean, or after? After the inflation. Okay, so after but after the that, money's that, printed, that already happened. Price. Though that already happened. I mean, but I, I mean, mean so people can't afford it. No one can afford it right, if you're on minimum wage, <laughs> no matter where you live. That so, so so well. I mean, but will inflation make it worse? And I think I think those mm-hmm. are always the questions because I think ideally, again, healthcare for all, free college, right? It all sounds good, but you know, for for people that it doesn't directly help, say, you know, you already graduated college, mm-hmm. say, you know, you already have healthcare. Mm-hmm. All right, how does how is this going to impact me? Because it's going to impact me in some way. Uh, I don't know. I think so. Go ahead, Mason. Go ahead, Mason. There's also certain things that I don't think people like. There's certain caveats to why we are the richest nation and we can't do certain things. Like for instance, um, the reason, one of the things that I learned about healthcare is um, in countries where there's universal healthcare, right? People that become doctors, there's no specializations. Like you're not an anesthesiologist. You're not like in, um, I forget, I don't even know. But like, there's no, there's not multiple classifications. They're just physicians. Mm -hmm. So they get paid regular salary. Whereas here, that's the thing about America that I think people tend to forget. Like, People come here for economic opportunity, you know, like doctors could get up to 500 grand because Mm -hmm. that's the nature of the country that we live in. Without that, there's certain things that we can't have. And I think it's a it's a tricky situation where we talk about where capitalism is taking us and, you know, what what would happen if we try to roll any of that back. And I think um, and I was I was actually having this discussion yesterday um, 
about the problem with capitalism in our country is that we put capitalism so often before democracy. Like it's always been. And, <laughs> that's our problem. That's the fundamental. You know, get get yours, and everybody else will be all right. That's what. Absolutely. The, yeah, but it worked when it was like you know it was it was a hundred thousand people. It don't work when it's three hundred sixty five million people and still growing and mm-hmm. still diversifying. And you know that's where we have to look at it even differently, and we have to really weigh what's possible and what's not possible. And I think even get to the point where, like, you know, do we want to be in America as Black people? It's like I've read I've read a couple different articles because I didn't hear about this till this year, but there's increasing amounts of of oh, like the going back. No, not even going back. Just going elsewhere, like whether it's like whether it's like Ethiopia or whether it's like Italy, like just getting out of not Italy. Oh no. Ethiopia. Yeah. I I don't know about Italy. That's a lot. I don't know if ever Italy racist as hell too. I can't listen, man. I like, I like, I like Italian food, but them dudes out there a little different. I go anywhere. I'm going to Africa, honestly, but I I hear what you're saying. Um, But yeah, I do too. And just to counter some of your um, points that you're making, I just think that I don't first, first and foremost, like anything that I'm like, any, uh, plans or proposals like Medicare for all that I'm talking about or free public college or mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, that comes at the price, in my opinion, and to Corey's point too about inflation, about you have to have to tax the wealthy people. Like you have to tax the ultra rich. Like there's no reason why one man should be making 13 billion in one day. Mm-hmm. I don't think like people can even re- kind of sit down and conceptualize that much m- amount of money. Are you talking about um, the, the record Jeff Bezos set? Yeah, of course. Or, or whatever. Um, he, That's crazy. One day. Well, must be nice, and we. I'm talking about. I, we talking so I can't get a cut and go to a doctor anywhere. <laughs> That's not out of my network, you know, and and that mm-hmm. and that bothers me. Like there's no like I don't understand how we come to this point where conceptually money is so much worth so much in our minds that you know we don't need basic needs as human beings. I think we're living a very in my mind we live in a very primitive world. I don't, I don't think there's no reason for us to have to work to survive and mm-hmm. that, like no literally like work to to live to have a house to have a home to afford healthcare and for proper education. That seems not sensical to me. Go ahead, Mason. What did you say? No, I was just saying, like, to get good food. Food deserts are all around black communities. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you know, and I think that, you know, if you're going to do that, then you, like, you, like, I don't know how we have so many people, especially if companies are like people in law um, who don't pay their right to live. That's what taxes are for. I can go with this whole thing about taxes, but, like, I think that a lot of people don't really see the benefit of taxes because there's no really beneficial public good in the United States besides, like, what, the, the Postal Service? Yeah. Um, it's like, and that's probably, I can't really think of anything else that you get from your taxes that people can see. Well, a, a, a military? Sure, you can always go join the military if you wanted mm-hmm. to, but that's about it. Like, how, what else do you have? Yeah. You can't even get health care. Like, you can't even break your leg and go to the hospital without them charging you up the wall. And then you go bankrupt. And then no one cares because you you cured debt, and they say, "Wait, hey, well, that's the price of living here." <laughs> and you should have, should have, you know, planned better. Should never broke your leg or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. Um, and I just yeah. think that's just that's just crazy to me. Um, but we definitely digress a lot <laughs> onto that onto yeah. that conversation. No, that's fine. I was gonna actually give you a contrarian point of view, right? Yeah. Just so you can open up, right? Um, the mm-hmm. concept, right? Because that's been talked about, and people often try to counter that concept with saying, you know. The wealthy people who are this wealthy, right, mm-hmm. to this 1%, whatever, can always leave, right? You know, they're not bounded to the country. You get what I'm saying? Same the idea, definitely. like, because I think there's, there's certain laws that exist, like, you got to be in the country for this amount of years for you to apply to taxes, right? Mm-hmm. Or you need to be living in this state or be doing whatever, right? Like, for example, I'm not trying to throw no game away, but I know in certain states that if you only live in, let's say you live in Connecticut for 300, what, not 300, like 189 days, and you go live in somewhere else, like Florida or whatever, where there's like no income tax mm-hmm. for an extra day or so. And then it's like, hey, um, I don't have to pay that high 
um, property and income tax in the Northeast, and I can get my tax-free cuts down here where it's in the South or where it's nice and sweet. But applying down on a larger scale, we have individuals who say, hey, I'm going to go live in I'm going to go live in Italy for most of the year. I'm only going to come to the U.S. and do a little, little business, right? Like your wealth moves yeah. to wherever you go. How do you – so in, in, in this essence, right, because I'm rambling mm-hmm. a little bit, I think the conceptual, as I'm trying to say, let's say worst case scenario, we have all these rich people who say, fuck America, we gone, we out. And now we have us regular class folks and um, – I want to say regular and poor people, but just everybody regular. And then amongst the gaps of financial that aren't as mm-hmm. big as they are before, how do we go about still instilling that, that financial change? Because I – I think one of the things people get stuck, rung up on is that they don't want to rely on the wealth of rich people to make the the, the change they need in society, even though it's stupid. You know, what I'm, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, though? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 100%. I agree. Just, so. no, I agree. Not not what you're saying with that point is specifically point of relying yeah. on rich people. Yeah, it's like being a waitress and relying on someone for a tip and like, for your most of your wealth. That's is really stupid. <laughs> like you really, really, like you're literally relying on someone's gratuity for you to have a living. Like it's a shame they make two dollars an hour. I'd be damned. <laughs> like you know, that's a tough scene. Just so if Corey having a good day, he feel like tipping if he tips fifteen percent. <laughs> you know, and that's that's one table. If if fifteen, yeah, be like yeah. five, and that's one charity donation. <laughs> Steven try and comfort me, man. Yo, I'm not coming for your promise. <laughs> Both Bill and Melinda Gates Tyler Day Foundation, they could turn it off tomorrow if they wanted to. And mm-hmm. stopping a lot of kids from going to college, you know? That's a fact. Yeah. I just think that I personally, I know we're getting, we went a lot into politics, but I personally think the federal government has a role to play in people's lives and that these services should be provided to them. And I don't think everything yeah. should be privatized or be a free market. They got to stop with that. That's why Kaplan went way too far in my opinion. They went way too far. I do not want no privatized education. I don't want privatized healthcare. That's too much. And we don't need that. Profit and human needs would never align. You can't. You can't tell yeah, me. But- do you want everything to be public and to the point where the government is, is you know, has their hand in everything? Because I think there's certain, I think there's validity to, I think there's definitely places mm-hmm. where it goes too far, but I don't think it's necessarily bad. I just think it's been abused. Like, um, if y'all ever on Netflix, I'm not shouting out Netflix at all, but. <laughs> no, you disclaimer. <laughs> Netflix, Netflix got black content. They put a whole black category. They said black, black movies or black's finest or something. Or. I did yeah, yeah, it was like something about the movement. So go on Netflix, and and there's this there's this uh, series called Dirty Money, and they break down. Yes, I've movies. watched a few episodes. I watched Donald Trump's one. Crazy. They call him P.G. Barner. I was screaming. There was this other episode where there was this, I forget what company it was, but it was a, a pharmaceutical company out of Jersey, and they didn't really do anything involved in the research, and they actually cut their research and development. Uh, for pharmaceuticals, which is ridiculous, down to like five percent, mm-hmm. and they would just push all of their money into a- acquiring these different these different holdings and these different companies. Mm-hmm. So their pro- their stock price went up, like everything went up. But then to a point, people realized that they were getting screwed over when pills went from like two thousand a bottle to like sixteen or something ridiculous. And now they're in a place where they have to pay all this back, but they can't even take down the charges of these drugs that they have mm-hmm. because then they wouldn't be able to pay that back that debt. So I okay. think that. Capitalism has definitely let certain companies go too far, but to the point of like you know federal government being being more invested, I think America was America was founded to have very little government intervention, and maybe that was you know they, they relied on people too much and relied on you know just the the, the general sense of um, earnestness and honesty. But I mean, I don't know if I'd want the government involved in all that. I don't know if I want the government to make healthcare public you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean and so I, I think the challenge is right there i think there's a scripture um and i can't remember the that exact oh, verse pastor, pastor moore oh, reverend was it reverend doctor <laughs> bishop <laughs> look oh d is not here today so we chilling um but 
you know, it says he who doesn't work doesn't eat. Right. And I, and I think, again, ideally that works when there's enough gainful employment to go around Mm -hmm. when everybody can work, survive, eat, thrive, you know, get health care, buy a house, pay their mortgage, buy a car with that gainful employment. But I think oftentimes that doesn't exist in the same way that it used to. Right. It used to be even blue collar workers made enough to buy a house, to yeah. buy a car, to support their family. Get an acre they, or two. I don't know about an acre, but get, get <laughs> they get they plot of land. Right. And so I think, you know, to, to Mason's point, I, I can't say that. I would want the government and everything because, again, what makes America unique is the fact that the government is not in everything, mm-hmm. right? That we have yeah. this privatization, that we have the ability to to make 500000 as a doctor, to make a million as an athlete or whatever. Like, that's what makes it unique. But I think we also have to realize that there might just not be enough work to go around anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. We've opened our doors and we've, and I'm not saying like close our doors, like yeah, we're, yeah, whatever, well. like, no, we're, we, we're this country. <laughs> Corey about to get political ready. <laughs> PC culture. Um, we're, we're this country that says come in and, and I want that to continue. Cause I think, you know, the diversity makes America dope, but you like, you can't necessarily keep saying come in without creating more jobs, without creating more industries, without finding new ways to allow the person, you know, that is the smartest kid in the class and the person that might struggle or have a different, you know, creative type of mind to still find gainful employment and to still be able to thrive in this country without, without everything having to be public Mm -hmm. and everybody make the same wage. Yeah. I didn't say yeah. you have to make the same wage. I don't know where y'all getting all these points out of the dumb big. What the meme say? Buy a cow, get, <laughs> so baby, get the milk. <laughs> nah, <laughs> That's the first thing I thought about. No, nah, I didn't say I didn't say all that. But what I'm saying is that to I I'm, hearing, I'm re- like I really understand I'm hearing y'all points. No, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to like be dismissive at all. Um I hear what y'all saying. I hear your concerns. I like this discussion. I'm here. Yeah, no, I hear y'all concerns definitely. But I I'm what I'm saying is that like, you know, what y'all are talking about hasn't worked. <laughs> like, you know, I understand what y'all mm-hmm. saying, but that depends on these capitalists also wanting the same thing y'all want and they don't want the same thing you want. <laughs> they don't want the equal mm-hmm. world where everyone gets to access like, you know, wealth. Everybody likes people who reach an elitist class like that they're an elitist class. Like of you, course. when you've reached a level of notoriety and success, there's always that, you know, I got here. I don't want everybody else here with me because I did it and I just want to be here with me. You know, we hated the idea yeah. of kings and queens, but instead we just created an elitist class that resembles the same thing, right? Back to feudalism. <laughs> but what are you saying, exactly. Mason? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's about coming to a, like a medium. I don't think mm-hmm. we were talking about, you know, having government entirely involved, but I think mm-hmm. we have to reach a level where, you know, we can continue what we're doing, but capitalism isn't as oppressive for people of color and minorities in general, because, you know, capital, I think one of the things about capitalism is that it's, in, it's inherently anti-black just related to how we've, you know, operated in this global environment and how, you know, people always see us as other or less than or, or inhumane. And, any capitalist system you put us in, we're always at the bottom. And I think there's, you know, there's there's legitimacy in terms of government getting more involved because government has to. I mean, you can't tell me that, you know, we go through slavery and we don't get no type of reparations. And it doesn't even have to be like you giving us actual financial handouts. It could just be like, yo, if, if you're an African-American, you go to college for free. If it's a public university, you go to college for free. I don't think that's, that's too difficult to do. Oh, God. White people don't want to hear that one. <laughs> let, me, let me ask this question, Man, right? Never going to hear that. Let me ask this question. Do you think if somebody is a black capitalist, they're anti-black? 
Or do you think they're, they're, they're a product of the environment they grew up in and they, they see wealth differently? Um, I, th- I think they're profiting from an anti-black system, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, capitalism is... In- that's like... That's but like but the does it make about- their character anti-black? That's the real question. Profiting is... I think that's a given, Doesn't right? But like, if you have individuals... Good. Who are black? I mean, who who don't identify with some of the things we had talked about in terms of like a socialistic society, and they want to be yeah. able to be successful and raise to whatever level of um, success they are at because they believe they're one of a kind and they're great, and they believe they should be on that pinnacle, right? Essentially, a black capitalist, all about the money for them, right? Yeah. What I could say his name because he never gonna listen to this, but like Stephen A. Smith, for example, right? Do, uh, the, no, wait, wait, wait. You know what I'm saying? Does that entail somebody being anti-black mm-hmm. because because people? are going to be black capitalists. People mm-hmm. are going to feel like they can gain some level of financial wealth that is superior to others and still feel like they can give and help people in the community. But does, it, but does benefiting a system, benefiting from a system that hasn't helped black people make you anti-black? That's my question. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I I went to run around. It, I don't think so, to be yeah. honest, because I think, um, I mean, because we could talk about the like the police system, for example, right? The police system is directly anti-black regardless of who it is policing doesn't mm-hmm. matter if they're brown or white like you talk about um baltimore right yeah people don't talk about things that happened like prior to this black lives matter when we had baltimore 2014 2015 mm-hmm. baltimore their bureaucracy is very black the police force is half black the, there were six officers in the van with freddie gray three of which were black you can still be black and participate in an anti-black system without being anti-black yourself but I think you have to look at, you know, how, how to change. If you're, if you're, say you're, say you're a black entrepreneur, right? Yeah. And you are a black capitalist and you believe in capitalism. If you believe in something, right? Cause I, I personally, I believe in America. You have to understand that there's inherent mm-hmm. flaws. Like capitalism is an inherently flawed human rights system because it is anti-black. So then you look at that and you're like, okay, how can I mitigate that? That's why I think LeBron, LeBron is, I mean, yeah, you got, you can say he's complicit in this capitalist anti-black system. But you can't say he's not doing something to work again. Like he's creating mm-hmm. schools, all these different scholarship funds, all these different opportunities for black kids to rise up and be a part of this system. And I think fundamentally, incrementally, again, you could get to a point where, you know, you have a diversity in in this country that, you know, maybe we could we could change the 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 traditional facets of capitalism. But you definitely could be black and be working in the anti-black system there's a lot of brothers that don't know like they don't know that capitalism is anti-black you know they don't think of it in that concept Mm -hmm. and when you don't it just enables you to do things that wouldn't benefit anybody but you and that just attribute and that's a whole nother conversation but that just attributes different day different day yeah bro because it's it's the matrix of it like there's Mm -hmm. so many people caught in that and they're benefiting from something that their cousins and their aunties and they and their brothers are suffering under and they don't realize that they just think of like that's their family in the hood right that's a fact so, and yeah and i think more people if more people understand that about capitalism then we could work to fix it you got to understand something in its entire conceptual form in order to alter it you know that's 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 the thing that we're doing with america you got to start doing that with capitalism yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not going to get into the debate whether capitalism, at least American capitalism, right? And I think we have to distinguish that in in many facets is is anti-black or if it's not anti-black. But I think the the goal of it again, we talked about Stephen A. We talked about LeBron. I still think the the goal has to be ownership, right? I still, you know, Stephen A. still need still gets 
money from ESPN, right? LeBron mm-hmm. is still yeah. playing in the NBA, right? I think we have to get to a point of ownership to the point where, yeah. you know, it might not it might be anti black, it might not be anti black, whatever. But if it's ownership from the top down and we can say that the the sponsors, the producers, the the, the all the stakeholders you know, exists within the community, then we can have a different conversation. And I don't know if there's any industry at this point that we can have that conversation. Even, you know, when we look at art forms like hip hop, and I was in a conversation earlier about it, from a top down, I don't know if there's any label that we can have that conversation for, right? So again, I think ownership has to be the goal, whether it's anti-black or not. If from top down, if the money funding it, does not come from black hands. You know, it might look anti-black, but from the top down, I think we need to have conversations about what ownership looks like and how we can trickle that down. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, again, we don't want we don't want Mike. You got one more one more question. No, one more thought. No, 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 go, go ahead. Go what ahead. time we at? I mean, we we had a minute. I mean, I, I said uh, a minute, hour, an hour. hour. hour? We had an hour. Yeah. Two hour? Go ahead. No, my last. Uh, with the, first of all, first and foremost, let's thank everybody for the nice input that they have. I oh, think absolutely. it was a good conversation. I like it. Healthy. Uh, a lot of back yes, and sir. forth. Yo, Corey, had that round of applause one time, man. I think we never did that. Like I think we should have more. I think we have more political conversation to get a little lively. You know, <laughs> a lot of people get, get we very, very passionate conversation. Um, no, my last, my last little leave off question my, to everyone, myself included, would be like, you know, what do you think are the first steps for moving forward? Um, I think if you are in a community where you have a chance to create um, a leader, mm-hmm. right, especially within a youthful environment, I think you need to um, find that person and cultivate them. Um, I think it really does start at the community level. You know, if you can get somebody in your community who's very influential, who's very, you know, eloquent, who works hard to be on your town council, that's your step one. You know, your step two then goes to the county representatives. Then you go for state representative and then Senate and go on and so forth. I think you really need to grow people in these environments. Oftentimes you have people who are in very, very, very diverse communities and they're just represented by an average Joe. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Connecticut got... um, People in the um, House of Representatives, they're like 80 years old. And this is no disrespect to anybody who's 80, but like, what you doing What you doing in the House of Representatives when there's a lot of young people who do the same work and probably more and understand what's going on in the world better than you and what's going on, I don't want to say in the streets, but in these communities. Um, and so I don't think people take enough time to cultivate young leaders and people to be in this community. So I think the first step is getting people at a very, very communal level into positions of power where they can make those small incremental change and then gradually move up and go further. And I don't know, I know people don't like to hear that. I think people hate hearing about the slow growth of change, but I think it has to start from somewhere and that's the best spot. You can't just jump and throw somebody in the president. Um, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to talk about it, but you can't throw somebody in the president and say they should run and they're going to bring change. That doesn't really sound right to me. Yeah. Um, but, but my quick two cents on, on that, um, start early, but don't start too early where you take childhood away from somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. So start early, but please allow, especially black and brown kids, to be kids. Right? I think oftentimes we find, you know, that one uh, black boy or, or Latinx boy or whatever that, that speaks well and dress well. Oh, you know, you're going to be president one day. And it's like, please don't put that pressure on an eight-year-old. Please don't put that pressure on a 10-year-old. And he can't go out. He can't drink. Right. So, so, so Exactly. So start early, but not early enough where, you know, you put a burden on a kid um, that doesn't allow them to be a child. Absolutely. I think, honestly, I think, and Steven, to your point that you brought up earlier, like not everybody 
you know, is on the front lines as an activist. Not everybody devotes their whole life to this, but I think after after all this, right? After COVID ends, after these protests die down, because they still haven't, because they still going on. Don't let the media fool y'all. Like this is still of course going on. we know what's happening. Absolutely. So I think we have to. If, we, if you're gonna be pro black, right? If you're gonna put on your Instagram, Black Lives Matter, right? Mm. It doesn't just it doesn't just pertain to the conversation about police brutality. It's in all facets of your life. If you're gonna say Black Lives Matter and Black People Matter, go spend money at a black business. Right. Go go invest in your community. Do do the work. And you don't necessarily have to, you know, be on the front lines, but be pro black in everything that you do and all your finances and all your investments. Don't go to and I see some so many people do this like they go to um, and I'm not going to say the company. I'll give an example. Um, I had a bad experience with a with a black owned uh, cuisine company at UConn. Right. Came late. The food wasn't there. Um, I actually didn't even get my plate. My girl got her plate, and I was I was salty about that. But then, you know, you go back. Yeah, you. I was salty, bro. They, I, man, I was. Damn, I, I'm, I'm gonna get oh, salty. You good, you good, you good, you good. Don't bring the feelings back. Oh, right, you good. I was reading, and I was reading the Alchemist the other day, and one of the things I was reading um, that too. That's crazy. Great book. Great, great book, book. Great book. And great book. What's in the book was about um, the kid. I don't know if you got to the part where the kid gets um he gets swindled and his money gets taken and he no I'm not that part no, no, I'm not okay it's real early in the book but mm-hmm. he you know this person this person screws him over right and he goes back he's like you know what I'm gonna take this I'm not gonna trust anybody else nobody's gonna do this to me again blah blah mm-hmm. blah 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 I'm gonna look at everybody like they're gonna do something to me and you can't look at you can't look at your own people that way yeah. and especially when it comes to black owned businesses you gotta realize like you know they're in their Amazon had this phase, right? Apple had this phase. We had this phase where we didn't have everything together, mm-hmm. whether it's as a business, whether it's as a person, as a student. So we got to be patient with ourselves. And to, and to Corey's point, like you got to live life. You can't just put the burden of the world on, you know, this one black boy, this one black girl, because granted, we've had to deal with that our whole lives. You know, I've seen I've seen dudes that look older than older than my grandfather. They like thirty. You know, we shouldn't have to live like two like two lifetimes by the time we're 2025. So I think that, you know, going forward, be pro-black in everything that you do. Be, you know, really, really be be thoughtful about it. Be intentional about it. And not everything's going to come automatically. Things happen slowly. Mm-hmm. Change is incremental. Progress is slow. But progress at the end of the day is still progress. So we got to we gotta realize that and we got to keep pushing for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Just to leave off, I would say that um, to me, I think is that starting or getting involved in on the local level, um, grassroots organizing is important. Um, starting those smaller organizations is important. I know it may seem like yes, you're not going to save every black person in America right now. It's not going to be. It's not going to happen. Like like we're all saying, same point. Um, but you can affect the people in your community that you do care about, that you do see every day, whose lives affect your life directly too, as well. And you can really make a lot of impact that well. And not only do you have to find those local leaders or if you you can become a local leader yourself, but you can also connect, create a network of other local leaders in your city as well. There's a lot of other people, you know, you don't have to go and build and lead alone. Yeah. You know, you can lead with others too as well. And you can create a lot of momentum, a lot of movement. You know, you can reach those people first before the, the media, you know, like gets to them, you know, for anybody else, any other influence <clears throat> and that, that might not be constructive to their livelihood or experiences. 
um, gets to them and like you know sways them to do something that, that might not be in their best interest as well. Um, you know, you can have that placement. You can come with information. You can say like this happened. You know, come here, or I can explain this to you. You can go to door door. You can make you can uh, make phone banks. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. But just get all just get active locally first. You know, touch the people that you care about most, and then you'll see like the passion of like you know working for the people. Yeah. Um. And the last thing I want to add, I think everybody's you know touched on something that I wanted to say, but just. Keep your ears open. Listen. You know, I sit down and, and listen to to a lot of the OGs in my community. Um, a lot of old, and again, we might not agree on things, you know, <laughs> necessarily tactically, but but fundamentally, it is important to understand their point of view. It is important to understand the experience that they come from the um the context that they come from so that you can avoid making some of the same mistakes that you could figure out what worked, what didn't work, that you could figure out how to have conversations intergenerally intergenerationally. Right. So, um, that, that there's not a gap that exists there. So I think it, it is very important to keep your ears open, to ask questions, um, because we don't know all the answers, right? You know, we're having a conversation with Mason, who's younger than us, but we're still learning. Young bull. So in so many ways ourselves, mm-hmm. um, just a couple of years older. So, you know, just be conscious of that. Keep your ears open. Um, keep your eyes open and, and talk a little less. That's a good conversation. I'm going to slide right into a plug a plug. Um, this week, we're shouting out the black boys and girls of the world, the little kids. We got an IG called Black Baby Books. They make books easier, easily, easily accessible to um, black boys and girls. They have books specifically about black characters, um, and you can find them on on IG at Black Baby Books. Um, and they got a lot of content. They they post very actively, but they have kids reading at, starting at the age of two or three. They have custom books. So if you're looking to either have your book hosted on their website or if you're looking to find books for black boys and girls growing up, make sure y'all hit them up, hit them on IG, let them know AD Convo sent y'all there. Um, and, yeah, that's what we got at, babe, at Black Baby Books, B-L-A-C-K. B-A-B-Y-B-O-O-K-S. And you were sent by at AD Convos. Um, yes, sir. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's that time. It's the time. What, what time is it? What time is it? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Past dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you already know Pastor Ox. We're bringing y'all new music or music we feeling for the week. Um, looks like this week is going to be a slightly competitive week. I see everybody's trying to put their best out. It's cute. It's cool. I I'm respect not, I'm it. I'm not putting my best out. I'm not putting my I'm best putting out my, either. You putting your best out? I'm Mason putting, says he's coming to put his best out. I'm like the, I'm like the Orlando I'm, NBA right now. Damn. <laughs> he already got an analogy for the NBAs, though. I'm screaming. Who's I'm on my LeBron I'm coming my best at all times. You go first, Mason. What song are you playing for us this week, man? Man, Ghost of Soldier Slim by Jay Electronica. Feel like it applies to right now and with a lot of things Jay Z saying that 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 resonate. So all right, I got you. Here it is. Negroes. Just sit out. Don't you come out to defend our enemy. 
Ghost of Soldier Slim. That's a good take, yes, Mason. I, I really like how that song st- starts, man. I feel like the, the, yes. my peak Black Radical just heightens up when I hear that that little speech in the beginning. You gotta see it and like, cause I actually looked up the clip from it. It's cold, like like Farrakhan says. Farrakhan, when he right? It, he turns around. He's like, so. Farrakhan <laughs> <laughs> is an interesting character. He's an interesting character. All right, who up next? I can go next. You I got next. Me. Yeah, I got you. What are you playing, man? So I see Logic dropped his retirement album. You know, he had a good, he had a good little career. I liked it. No, that's, that's disrespectful. That's patronizing. He has a <laughs> he had a he had a respectable career. <laughs> I, 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 I don't even mean to disrespect him. He had a he had a very respectable cool, cool. you know career. Definitely very lyrical. You know, made a name for himself. I think he did well. Um, so I picked the song off of his most recent and last album called No Pressure, and this this song is called Soul Food Two. Okay, Mike. 
He said they only love you when you're dead, and then, then they call you profound. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yo, listen, yeah. that's fine. I'm gonna go next because I know Corey want to go last. No, nah, uh, I go. I go next. You go next. I go next. All right, that's fine. Heard it. Um. So again, Stephen was like, "Who's this person?" I'm like, bro, I'm telling you, um, the Mellow Bars playlist come through uh, real clutch. So, again, it's it's not nothing necessarily tied to anything that's going on. It was just a good vibe song. Um, I think everybody should check out. Um, the song is called Rollin' uh, by Ryan Trey. So again, just a little vibe, man. Um, I think it's definitely gonna have a, a dope spot in the past aux playlist. Um, so there we go, Ryan Trey, man, rolling. Okay, <laughs> we're bringing something new. Uh, my song, actually, I guess is you could say it's in honor of the NBA coming back. Oh um, gosh, I don't even want to hear it now. You don't want to hear it now? <laughs> this song is fire. Um, this song is called Goat Spirit by Dame Dollar, aka Damian Lillard, featuring Raphael oh. Sadiq. Okay, Logo Lillard. Come on now. Oh god. Hey, and let this run, man. I'm gonna tell you right now, this song fire. This is getting cut. It's getting cut. Let's stop playing. <laughs> so you don't even want to play. It's here right now. Dame Dollar. Overflow of success, so unapologetic. Scared money make none, tell them dollar set it. If I ever had the fail to come up short, I move forward, not abort. Cause the mission to drill for me like a sport, I only see the bigger picture. Nothing minor or miniature. And if you petty, I probably miss you. If you deadly, I might dismiss you. You try to check me, you get your issue. Usually when they look the part, it never fits you. Like Kim K at a sizzler or a chick that wanna be with you, but she be playing sister. These niggas can bite but can't replicate charisma. All this positivity helped me negate the temper. Cut my circle down the middle, quickly they forget you. No benefits, they talk down, early stage dementia. Still the realest in my field and I'ma stay consensus. Find it funny when people get that hate in their heart. It's clear I'm bored cause I just stopped evading the darts. The day ones and day million gon' change in the dark. Only a few stay parallel till you place it in park. I'm not a dummy. I was smart when money was funny. 
I needed a chef, I hired my cousin Punky. Bloodline on my back, like what's a fucking monkey? I get in my truest form when I'm feeling spunky. Hit my line, I be coming through in the clutch like 23 in his prime and they couldn't touch my blood suckers. I be waking up the bug bites. I wouldn't shy from a battle with me and Cubs fight. Feel the vibe though, like it's Vegas, we at the Cosmo. This house was built with my chicken like Roscoe's. When it come to hoop on my honcho, they praying for my fall from the stage. But I ain't Bob though, silly niggas always knew who was really with us. Talk about we bros and all along they was really sisters. Type that want to see you when you down so they really kick you. Gotta watch the ones that scream loyal, they really switches. Really switches, bad on both sides. Think I'm blind to the ghost ride. Couldn't ride my wave with a low tide. My posture lower, giving praise to the most high. I'm that dude and all the real is gon' co-sign. From the gutter to a million, nigga, motide. Never sell my soul, nigga, miss me with the soul ties. Stand alone at the peak, I left a couple widow. A nigga bold, I do him colds, I resemble bimbo. Don't wanna see me hogging up less it's Henny and Hypno. Wanna slice up out this pie, you can fade me, I'm Kimbo. I exercise the pin, but all my actions equal. A master of the mind, my biggest weapon lethal. Dame Jr., only candidate to be the sequel. I come in peace, so it's best if niggas just keep it peaceful. I took some L's in the season, but shit, I roll with it. My chin tucked when it's rough, even my low's different. I slip or I parry, ain't got a cold pivot. See my picture by that goals, I got a ghost spirit. Nigga. Just look in the mirror, look into my Yo, Steven was begging me to play you, the whole no, song. No, you, you can't disrespect Raphael Sadiq and not get the his whole, vocals. It's not to. my fault the, the hook took forever to, I mean, <laughs> yeah, to come in. Listen, Dame can spit. He's going to give you a calm two minutes. What am I supposed to do? Rush him? You get cut him. To start cut the song? Him. <laughs> cut him. He cut got him. like 50 bars just to start the song. <laughs> Dang, my brother can't get a little hook a little Thank you, exactly. Shout out to him. Uh, yeah, NBA coming back, so stay tuned. Dame Dollar, top three point guard in the A. Respect to him. He top two. Mm-hmm. Top three point guard in the A. Top two. He top five. He not top three. Who's top three? Oh, gosh. Who's top? Steph. Russ definitely he didn't play this year. Him. He didn't play this year. And Russ definitely Steph, not better Steph, than him. Steph definitely is better than him. Kyrie better than Kyrie. Kyrie. Hey, Kyrie yo, Corey, we ended the pod. This, this man talking about players who barely played this season. I can't. What am I supposed to do? I want the listeners to know Kyrie Irving is the best point guard in the league. Oh, man. Mason also said there's no asterisks next to this championship. So, you know. <laughs> it's not, it's not, isn't, um, isn't Kyrie from New Jersey? I don't know Is Kyrie from New Jersey? You know he from Jersey. I'm about to say, oh. look at the bias is trickling out. I'm like, he got to be from Jersey. Oh, man. Dude's nah, play. I say Steph is better than him. Kyrie. I, I, I right. can't. Dame, I'm talking Dame. about right now. I can't talk about career-wise. I'm talking about right now. Only dudes right who've been now playing. Better, man. Curry broke his his hand. I don't know if he can still ball anymore. What am I supposed to do with that? I'm going to say every <laughs> point guard in the NBA wish they had a career that Steph Curry just had. So I'm going to leave it at that. That's a fact. Oh, he's the best point guard. <laughs> why do you like disrespect him? Well, because he likes him, that's why. Well, oh, here we go. We're saving that comment for a different day, here man. Here we go. Reverse colorism. Um, they hate Steph Curry for no reason, man. But, but now that basketball, baseball, and football are about to be back, man. Back into the vault goes ESPN 8, the Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> we got to let that one go. Yeah, that oh, man. Um, before we end the pod, I want to make sure we send love and respect to um, John Lewis, who recently just passed away, mm-hmm. civil rights leader and activist. Um, He walked with Dr. King. He was the youngest speaker at the March on Washington in March on Washington in 1963. And um he's just transcended um changing the lives of black li- black lives of people, the lives of black individuals um the last 60 years, honestly. So respect to him. 
God bless him, God rest his soul, and blessing to his family. And also C.T. Vivian, he also passed away recently. I think it was around the same day, if not a day after. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so minister, author, and he's also a really close friend of MLK. So God bless him, prayers to him and their family as well. I'm losing a lot of people this year, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, hopefully, you know, the legacy they leave inspires others to do um, bigger and better things. So mm-hmm. rest in peace to them. Shout out to them. God bless. Um, Absolutely. Sure. Um, shout out to them, man. Um, shout out to their families. Keep them in prayers, everything like that. Um, mm-hmm. To everybody out there, you know, um, just from a COVID standpoint, you know, stay safe. Yeah. Um, stay well. You know, be be cognizant of, of your family members, um, those that are, you know, immune deficient as you go out and, you know, experience outdoor dining or explore all these other things. I know things are opening up and closing and opening up and closing <laughs> or whatever. But if you if you out and about, man, just know that you got to go home. And generally, there's some loved ones that, that might not be, you know, in the best uh, state of health or whatever the case is. So just be mindful. Yep. Um, but yeah, episode 24. Yeah. We got to talk about some of the music that came out next week. Because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. music was coming yeah. out. Man, we didn't even out. have time to talk about it. Climb back J. Cole. That's all I'm going to say, man. Episode 24, After Dinner Conversations, man. Continue to like, rate, subscribe, review, man. We love hearing the feedback. We love seeing the feedback. Um, you know, we want to continue to grow the audience, continue to grow the conversations that happen around the dinner table. So, you know, that only happens if you continue to like, rate, subscribe, man. Tell your auntie to tell her cousin to tell her best friend to tell her god sister that After Dinner Conversations, episode 24. Uh, stay safe, man. Love y'all. Lessons. Say my name, don't forget the dollar sign, bitch. You know I got it, know I got it. Money on my mind, so you know I'm always grinding. Yeah. All my honey's dimes, I might put her in some diamonds. Huh? Wheel starts in line, everything is perfect timing. Said everything is perfect timing. That's why niggas steady shining.